My responsibility for the time I have in office is to put sentimentality to one side and look after this country's interest with the perspective of a cold balance sheet. And while I greatly admire your sense of fairness and compassion for those less fortunate than us... Do you? Really? Let us not forget that of the two of us, I am the one from a small street in an irrelevant town with a father who could not bequeath me a title or a commonwealth, but only grit, good sense and determination. And I don't want people's pity or charity or compassion. Nothing would insult me more. My goal is to change this country from being dependent to self-reliant, and I think in that I am succeeding. I have had to learn many difficult lessons as sovereign. Britons are learning to look after number one, to get ahead, and only then, if they choose to look after their neighbor. Of those? No one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. You see, he had money as well. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of my season 4 review of The Crown. This episode focuses on 48 to 1, which is a a very politically driven uh, episode in this season. And it's actually one of my favourites because we really get to see the conflict between Margaret Thatcher and the Queen explored. As many nations condemn apartheid in South Africa, the tensions between Thatcher and Elizabeth start to bubble over their clashing opinions to apply sanctions. And that's really what this episode is all about. It's about a conference um, in 1985 and the Commonwealth is coming together to discuss these issues. And 48 of the 48 countries within the Commonwealth support sanctions on South, Af South Africa due to apartheid. Now, these are economic sanction sanctions to try and degrade the country and basically fighting back against apartheid. The only country not to support these sanctions and refuse them is the UK. And the Queen and Margaret Thatcher's fallout becomes public knowledge after the story is leaked. And we get really interesting... Um, we're like divergence into this. We're delving into the story quite nicely through the press secretary of the uh, of the Crown of no, not of the Crown of Buckingham Palace, and he's. We can see him at the start of the episode, and he's writing a book. And a part of this episode is his story, actually. Uh, his name is Michael Michael Shea, and he left after one year after 1985 after this uh, tension between Margaret Thatcher and Queen Elizabeth became public knowledge. And it's very interesting, um, Peter Morgan delves into the story as to why he left and what might have happened and any conspiracy that went on there. But I love listening to Edith Bowen's podcast on this episode and she had the researcher that I've been mentioning in the previous episode, her name is Annie Salzberger and she's the head researcher for The Crown. And she does, she does a fantastic job with every episode, every storyline we know. She communicates a lot with Peter Morgan, um, trying to think of stories and if, find out if there's truth to this. Anything they can add to the script to add character and story, brilliant. The director for this episode was uh, Julian, uh, Julian Gerald. She does a fantastic job. Oh, he does, sorry. 
Um, he's directed a few episodes before, and he actually made a comment saying that there's not many directors get to direct two queens because this episode we get a scene with Claire Foy, which I was so shocked of because we've not seen her since the end of season two, and I actually thought we'd never see her again. In season three, we get a shot of her. Um, it's on a postcard, and there's obviously pictures of Philip and the Queen when they were younger. So we can see pictures of Claire Foy and Matt Smith and the other earlier characters from seasons one and two. But we actually never see them again, like in proper scenes. But this one, we get a flashback scene where Queen Elizabeth, it's 1948, and she's devoting her life to the Crown and to the Commonwealth and voicing her support, pretty much. And it's a part of the it's a key part of the reason why the Queen behaves the way she does that speech. It's you know, it was that scene itself, it was filmed they mentioned the podcast and I researching this I found out that it was actually filmed midwinter, but it's pretending to be Cape Town in nineteen forty eight in the sunshine. And you can sort of see Claire Foy, she's like shaking a little bit even by the way she's sitting. It's sort it's funny how they how they always like elude us in that sense. But you, you can tell from the very early on that the Queen, she has a love for the Commonwealth from a very early age because I think she's only like 18 in, in that scene. And they her love for the Commonwealth shapes her decisions in this episode. It's sort of a legacy to her father because her father, it was established by him, I believe. And it was, he had a lot more countries under him. And over time, even in present day, you know, the Commonwealth is... Is depleting there's less and less countries in it but she is she's voicing her opinion on that but she also has to do what the queen says and apartheid in south africa is such a clear-cut issue but margaret thatcher underestimates the queen and her voice and her power and the influence she has over people and it's very enjoyable to see that dynamic happen and Gillian Anderson's performance in this episode is stunning. It's probably my one of my favorite performances in the whole season, um, but just character-wise, because you can tell how prepared of an actor she is. She is so she's so meticulous with this, the, the decisions she decides to make as a as an actress playing this Margaret playing Margaret Thatcher, who's a very she has a lot of character and, you know, she has a really big wig and she had to, I remember when I was listening to this and doing research for it, Gillian Anderson had to try on a lot of different wigs and some of them were really puffy and dense and then she had to try on different teeth, but it was actually finding the character that was, that took the most time and the voice and if, or the audience needed, were able to recognize the voice and because it's sort of from the back of the throat, it's very coarse, it's very deep and um, I really, it's a really significant and um, like very rare voice to listen to in a woman, I feel like. I've never really heard a voice like sound like that before and even listening to real recordings of Thatcher is a very interesting voice and very um, prominent, I'd say. But those scenes where Thatcher refuses to back the san sanctions and they do it in a really clever way where they they cut Margaret Thatcher trying to sign the deal with real life footage of apartheid in South Africa. And you can already see that Margaret Thatcher is totally against it, but the Queen is for it because even from her 1947 speech, she declared it as a life mission. She believes that's the way the world is going. Things like apartheid should be finished, and obviously they should be, and we don't even see any of that now, but back in the mid 80s, it was a bit up in the air. 
and the Queen believes that everyone in the Commonwealth should be equal partners, partners and should have equal rights and equal opportunity. Thatcher doesn't believe that. She has an inherent distrust of foreigners, and it's shown throughout the whole season, especially in this episode. It's most prominent here. And she doesn't understand the Queen's love of different cultures. Back in season one, we see the Queen and Philip traveling to Kenya, going to Australia, all these countries abroad. As soon as we see Margaret Thatcher abroad, we get a sense that she has just distaste for everything. And she doesn't appreciate things as much. And she's very, she's very wary about foreign people that aren't, you know, even from outside Europe. She's, uh, she's not really there with it. And you can tell that in the episode. And that's one of the things that causes a mistrust between the two characters, I think. She's, and another reason is that she's, and it's quite controversial, that she's just ignoring corruption in these countries, in South Africa in this case. And that corruption can lead to extreme poverty. And we see that in the episode. When I said earlier, we see shots of South African violence and when she's deciding to help them or not. At the end of the day, that's what it's, that's what it's coming down to. And it's a really interesting clash of ideas there because she's thinking about the UK and she's thinking about her own position as the prime minister. And that's, and she was sort of reluctant to attend the meeting in 1985 and which came about because of apartheid. And they were just deciding if they were going to have an economic sanction and then that economic sanction on South Africa would pressurize them to drop apartheid. But Margaret Thatcher doesn't support the vote because if they do impose sanctions and apartheid falls, then she believes that the black Africans, black South Africans will just basically inherit an economic wasteland after a few years. So what's the point? That's her point of view, pretty much. And then on the other side of that, she's also concerned with the UK because she mentions in the episode that there's a lot of trade between South Africa and the UK. And as we already know with episode five, the Fagan episode, unemployment in the UK is skyrocketing. There's three million unemployed, um, which is already a lot in the UK and it's quite unprecedented that. And then she even says, Margaret Thatcher, that trade between South Africa and the UK amounts to three billion pounds a year. So you can see that she's content on keeping apartheid if the economic stability of these two countries remains intact and if there's a good relationship there. She doesn't want to harm that relationship. Whereas the Queen is looking at this through a moral compass. But that's what forms the basis of the showdown between Margaret Thatcher and the Queen. And the crown sort of does a really good job of being honest with the queen's views and we see a way in which she gets her views to the press which is very controversial because as most people know the queen doesn't voice her opinions on much and well she really does it i think this is one of the only cases where she's done it and uh, whether it's on purpose or, or not, none of us know because she's never spoken about this event at all. She's never mentioned Michael Shea, who was the press secretary at the time of this. And after years of service, I don't know how many years it was, but I, it must have been at least 15, 20 years. He leaves the year after that. So there's definitely a connection there. And it's a really interesting way that they they show it through the episode. And I love how they follow Michael Shea. Michael Shea speaking with the Queen and he's advising her not to say anything and then the Queen does decide to say anything and then she has to go to her private secretary basically telling him to stab him in the back and take the hit pretty much. 
so that's what we know as um, as historical knowledge that Michael Shea leaked it and he left a year after and it was never spoken about publicly again. And that you know it's a it's a sort of sad thing. I as an audience member, I hoped it wasn't true, but it probably is true. The Queen has that ruthless side to her, and you know first and foremost, her concern is with the crown and anything or everything she does is looked at through a very close eye and she has to protect the crown first and foremost. So anything, when, when, whenever she does slip up, she needs to make sure to clean it up. And that's what she's done here, even at the expense of a loyal servant who's press secretary for a number of years. But we get shots of her throughout this episode where she doesn't really feel remorse she, it's definitely the crown taking over here and not the person of Elizabeth. And I love that theme of the crown being the most important thing because we see it earlier on in the seasons where, especially with the queen and Princess Margaret, when the queen has to decide to let Princess Margaret marry or not, you can see the crown taking over. So the queen is speaking to her sister in that, in that sense and not Elizabeth. And that touches on one of the main themes of the episode where... The Queen, her point of view is basically, screw economic consequences. This apartheid is a moral issue. Apartheid is immoral and it should be dealt with. And the Queen is dragged into this messy row over South Africa with Margaret Thatcher. And she has no, Margaret Thatcher has no problem with this row. She even brings it up in one of their, uh, one of their meetings, audiences as they're called. Audiences are like me uh, meetings between the Prime Minister and the Queen. That's like the t formal word for it, which I didn't know. And then Michael Shea gets dragged into this, basically take, being a, you know, taking the bullet for the Queen. And the reason for that is because it's the only way that the Queen can show she cares about this issue. And she, because the Queen has to agree with the Prime Minister. Whatever the, the, whatever Margaret Thatcher says, and we've seen it in earlier seasons with Churchill, with Wilson, whatever the Prime Minister says, the Queen has to support. The Queen isn't allowed to make her own decisions, so she has to support whatever Margaret Thatcher says. And there's a lovely scene where she, the Queen basically tells her to support the, the sanctions on South Africa. And then Margaret Thatcher says, oh, is that, a, is that a question or a statement? And then the Queen says, think of it as a question because she's not formally allowed to request her to do anything. She's there to advise and to assist. And that's touched upon in the, four, in the previous seasons as well. And it's just that I love that dynamic of how the Queen, she's the most powerful person. Well, she has so much influence and she's such an important person, but she cannot actually act on her feelings. She can only do it through the Prime Minister. And she's being very forceful in this in this episode, and that's why it's one of my favorites of the season because you can see that the queen is in a tight spot here, and it's just lovely to see that dynamic between her and um, the prime minister. It's sort of like a cage match to the highest level of degree in terms of government and standing. And in that, it's tied in with how complex of a character Margaret Thatcher is, because she's not the type of person to say no. And Gillian Anderson, who plays Margaret Thatcher, who's a brilliant actress, she touches on this in her podcast with Edith Bowman and interviews I've seen with her on YouTube as well. But Margaret Thatcher is a very, very complex character and you you can't decide if you like her or not. And as, a, as an actress, she does a brilliant job of getting close to the voice 
And Peter Morgan, the writer and creator of the show, does a brilliant job of removing all the preconceptions of her as a character. And when you're starting off in the season, it's 1979, you are following her through her journey as Prime Minister. And the season literally starts at 1979 and ends at 1990, which is her entire um, entire time as Prime Minister. So you see it from start to finish. And it's a brilliant arc of her character and how her relationship with the Queen changes. But ultimately, the reason why it ends is because Margaret Thatcher is not a listener and she doesn't listen to advice. She's too stubborn and that forms the basis of her downfall. She's too set in her own ways and the Queen recognises that and you get conflicts like this arising. And it it makes for brilliant TV, but, you know, she lost her job because of it. And quite rightfully so, I'd say. But it's a brilliant episode and it does really well to convey the emotions of the characters. I like that we're not getting too much on the Queen's children. You know, that's unnecessary here. We're just, this is a politically driven episode. And it's ultimately, if you think about it, it's ultimately a betrayal episode of the Queen. The Queen is betraying her relationship with Margaret Thatcher by leaking um, with these leaks. And you can definitely tell that there's some hostility towards her. And some quick, a funny fact actually about Margaret Thatcher's audiences with the Queen was that it was a teacher-student relationship that they had. And what I mean by that is that Margaret Thatcher would normally show up 15 minutes earlier to her audiences with the Queen. And then she would lecture the Queen on issues and that they were meant to discuss. Economic issues, foreign, foreign affairs, um, members of cabinets. And you can see the Queen's fighting back, even in the earlier episode where she guesses the, the cabinet members and then basically Margaret Thatcher spits in her face by getting rid of them all and having a reshuffle. I love that relationship. We've never really had that before. Because all the other Prime Ministers have been male, they've been old, they've been very respectful of the Queen. Margaret Thatcher is the Queen's age, she's she's a woman. It's just brilliant to see, and I love this episode. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. Um, probably even a 9.5, actually. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to give it a 9.5. Uh, it was a really, really enjoy enjoyable episode. It was filmed beautifully. I love the, I love the shots of when uh, Michael the press secretary is writing his book and then he hands it to his publisher and and then at the end we find out that Michael made um I actually tried to search for his books and I did find a few of them online um to sell for Amazon but um so yeah you are able to buy them and he made a successful career as a uh, as a writer writing um politically driven crime novels crime novels and uh yeah so that was sort of a good thing that came out of a, a bad situation with him but great story great episode 9.5 out of 10. Um, it's been a joy to talk about this episode, and uh, we're sort of getting to the end of the season now, and there's only two episodes left. Episode 9, which I'll be speaking about next time, focus on, uh, focuses on Avalanche, which is steering away from the political side of the crown and focusing more on the family affairs, where Charles is caught in a nearby, uh, in a deadly avalanche, and it prompts him and Diana to reevaluate their relationship and their commitment to each other. So that's going to be really interesting to talk about. I love uh, speaking about Diana and Charles's relationship throughout this season. So yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.